This is episode 269 of the 200 Churches podcast. Safety and security on this campus is everybody's responsibility. And as church folks, we're not we're not safety conscious. Certainly shouldn't we lead by example and be able to, you know, prepare and protect the people that come to our church. We're going to protect everybody at that church. But we don't forget for one minute the reason that that church exists. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world for five years. Good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig, and I'm here across the digital desk with the one and only Jeff Katie. Good to talk to you, Johnny. Oh, Jeff, it's a beautiful day outside. It's 61 degrees. Why am I in my office on a 61 degree day? That's what I want to know. These windows don't even open. It's criminal. It's criminal, I say. Mine don't either. I'm just waiting for the day I got to run from the flames and you can't get out the windows, right? It's like a hotel in Las Vegas. None of the windows open. There you go. Absolutely. So, Johnny, today we have a... uh, I don't really like our episode for today, to be honest with you. You know, it's like necessary, it's important, but there's nothing fun about it. Mm -mm. No, we're talking about church security uh, with a guy who, you know, you could tell that the seriousness of his different roles and responsibilities over the years has created a very serious guy. Yes. I'm sure there are times when he laughs and jokes. I just don't know when they would be. <laughs> they were not today. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been, you know, it wouldn't have been appropriate today. There's something no. about this episode that reminded me of episode 219, where we talked about sexual abuse in the church. And oh, right, uh, it was right. like, we. I left that episode feeling just the weight, you know, just the weight of what we had discussed. And I think this episode, it's not as heavy as that one was. Um, at all, but it's but it's important, and there's a certain weight to it as well. So yeah, I, we're talking about church security and church safety. And you know, some of our listeners, as we're talking at the moment, I'm re- reminded that at least one of our listeners, I think a couple others, have sent me people that are involved in church security yes. as suggestions. And you know, we're pastors first, podcasters like eighth. And, (laughs) you know, they're in my inbox somewhere, but I got an email very recently uh, from somebody named Amy, and she offered an expert to talk to us about this and to share what they were doing. And I just replied and jumped on it. And a guy named Bob Johnson, he's been the director of safety and security for Christ Church of the Valley in Arizona, Peoria, Arizona, for 12 years. I mean, he led a team of more than 350 you know, staff and volunteers in protecting nine different campuses. So yeah. this guy is this guy's been uh, been involved with this over thirty thousand people at that church, and he's uh, he's been in the military, he's been in law enforcement, he's been in uh, multi agency investigations, working with the FBI, the IRS, the Secret Service, the DEA. This guy's kind of been there, yeah. and done it all. So he's been now he's been working with churches and you know you can imagine after the the shooting in in the Texas church and uh the shooting at the at the school in Florida uh his group is just inundated with calls yeah. and he's going church to church to church doing seminars and trainings on how 
to have secure churches? Well, this is a this is an issue that um, I'm certain you have considered at least briefly at your church, or you have had folks from your congregation talking to you about it. Look, we serve pastors and church leaders from every denomination, Jeff, and I can think of some Mennonite uh, brothers and sisters who have emailed us. And I got a little Mennonite streak in me. And the idea of church security is is anathema <laughs> to a Mennonite right, soul. Right. Uh, and what I appreciate about Bob, he speaks plainly, uh, somewhat forcefully at times, but not in a negative way. But I never got the sense that he is wanting you to have armed guards posted at your front door. So he talks about the what the judo of words, uh, just how uh, how approaching people and just awareness can go so far in church security. And I think no matter what theological background you come from, you can agree to that. You know what I'm saying? That level of security. Yeah safety at your church. So don't tune out. Don't think, uh, well, because, you know, we're pacifists in our denomination. Uh, you know, we don't need that. It's you, We all need it. We all need it no matter where we're coming from. And it, it, might, it will look different at every single church, but it's something that we should all be considering and thinking about. Well, you know, Johnny, as shepherds, we have to care for the sheep. And if you're a pacifist, you just have to decide what size beanbag you're going to throw at the now, person. Now, don't make fun of our pacifist brothers. No, no, no. no I'm, I'm being serious. I'm being absolutely serious. If nothing else, you seriously, you have to decide what level of force, if you're not going to use lethal force. Yes. And, I, and I, I completely respect yeah. that. And and for the most part, agree with it. Uh, but so then you're going to have to decide. I mean, you got to do something. You got to do something. You can't just, you can't hold the door for somebody who's, hey, after what happened at Sandy Hook yep. and with those kids and after what just happened in Florida with those kids and after what happened in Texas with those poor people stuck in that church, right. we cannot, an abrogation of responsibility and all ethics, if as leaders of churches, we do not take this issue seriously and think about it and begin to lead in ways to make our churches as safe as they can be. Yes. Yep. And no matter, like we said, no matter what denomination, no matter what theological background you're coming from, that is true for you as well. It will look different across the board. But that's the truth. Jeff, we're having this serious conversation, but it occurred to me as we were talking just now that if you were going to start a safety and security team at your church, you would need to train folks. Bob talked about, right, training people and then deploying them and managing them. Well, if you need to train some people on your security team at your church, I'd suggest you go to trainedup.church. Yes. And they have all sorts of videos uh, that might be helpful to you in this, and they give you the ability to make your own videos. And that's a huge benefit to you as well, because you can make it unique to your particular congregation, unique to your particular location, and you will be able to put together a training video uh, that can help the people on your team, be ready to go. So I have a perfect idea, Johnny. This is so easy. If you have a trainedup.church account, you do what Bob says, and Bob's going to talk about inviting local law enforcement to come in and to do training with your congregation. You have some kid with a MacBook, use his cell phone to videotape that training, and then you as a church spend the $100 to buy him the program called ScreenFlow. And with ScreenFlow on his MacBook, he can produce a training video for you very easily. And this this kid, I'm saying he, might be a, a guy or a girl, 
would be thrilled to be able to do something like this and produce a video that you can put on your trainedup.church account and have your people watch over and over and over because they're not all going to be able to make it when the local sheriff or the local police chief comes in and does some training with your people on a Saturday night or a Saturday morning. But, hey, anybody, just grab somebody's phone put it on airplane mode and record it and let, let a kid, let a kid edit it down. And, uh, and it's perfect. So we can do stuff like that. And that is just some an easy way you could extend the training in your church in this area of safety and security. Beautiful. Beautiful. So go to trainedup.church, use the promo code 200 churches, all caps, John. and you'll get 10% off for Life. I'm on trainedup.church right now, and there are uh, a couple courses for safety videos. These are all about like if somebody has a heart attack at your church, also important for your safety team to be aware of. Way more likely. Yeah, way (laughs) Way more more likely likely. to have happen. So they are ready to go uh, at trainedup.church. Get 10% off for life with promo code 200 churches, all caps. With that, Jeff, let's get out of the way and let Bob do some talking. Well, Bob Johnson, thanks for joining us on the 200 Churches podcast. You are a church security expert, so why don't you introduce yourself to us? Well, Jeff, thank you very much. I'll let you use the word expert. I've been at it for a while. There's uh, certainly a lot of us out there that are trying to do the best we can to protect God's people. I've been in the church security arena for about 13 years, uh, working at my church uh, in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And for the last eight or nine years, I've had the opportunity to travel around the country and work with many churches and groups and organizations and try and help them as they uh, set up their safety or emergency response teams. As we know, with things that are going on in the country today, the demand is getting higher and higher. Yeah, and do you work with an organization uh, when you do these presentations, or is it just you? I work with two. I work with Brotherhood uh, Mutual Insurance Company, and I work with a, an organization by, by the name of Cent- the Center for Personal Protection and Safety. And then I represent an organization called Sunstar Secure that has just started in the last year down this road again with the demand just trying to do all we can for churches and religious organizations and church schools. Okay. And so as we talk today, let's think about like a church between 50 and 200 and, you know, what they can do to protect themselves. Well, you mean, um, you mean the majority of churches in the country? <laughs> exactly. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Almost all of the pastors and church leaders who are listening to this episode have thought about this or have had people at their churches inquire about this, about a plan for an active shooter, about a safety and security plan. But maybe, just maybe, uh, we have some folks who need to hear articulated uh, from you, Bob. Why is that something that is important? Well, unfortunately, we live in very difficult times. We live in violent times, probably the most violent we've seen in our country in, in my lifetime, and I've been around a long time. And violence has come to every aspect of society. Schools, as we've seen time and time again, the mall, the movie theater, restaurants, and certainly houses of worship. More and more churches across America, and of course that means more small to medium-sized churches, because there's more of them than there are the big churches, obviously, are realizing that they need to take steps, try and protect the people that are there on their campuses on the weekend. I think the people that attend all the churches are the same as the people that attend my church. What are you doing to 
protect me and my family when I come to church on the weekend. I think they know what's going on uh, in our country, and they know that the Christian church today is under attack. Many of these churches are just uh, struggling on, you know, how do we get started? What are the steps? Some of them are fortunate enough to have someone in their congregation that perhaps is involved currently in law enforcement or has a law enforcement background and can help them take those steps. But I would say the majority of churches don't have that. And they're just looking at how do we get started? What are the steps to, to take us down this road? And what can we do to try and be uh, keep our people more secure? Well, and that's it. When this shooting happened in Texas, I think all of a sudden we all realized that, you know, it doesn't matter what size a church is. You can have, you know, even these small churches, somebody comes in and literally wipes out half of the congregation. I, th- I think Johnny and I are both are very sensitive to the fact that we're talking about churches. You know, we're talking about the kingdom of God, and we're talking about, uh, you know, worshiping the guy who says, love your enemies, right, and pray for those who persecute you. So how do you reconcile, how do you reconcile the heart of Jesus with trying to help a church become protected? Well, I think there's numerous instances and in, in scripture throughout the Bible, starting with Nehemiah 4, 9, where they're rebuilding the wall, and we prayed to our God, and we want God to protect us, but we also posted a guard. And I think there's references in Luke and First Peter about taking on the full armor of God and, and taking on the enemy, and certainly as a Christian church in America today, we know who the enemy is, and, and to take a stand. For a lot of churches, what we're trying to do is just build an awareness that there's a problem out there and have have a plan, train to the plan, rehearse your plan, evaluate your rehearsal, and, and start over again. But just have a plan. If this happens, we're going to do this. Uh, after the shooting in Florida, there was a, a lot of talk about you know, active shooter response. Well, everybody wants to know about how to handle an active shooter, but there's 100,000 things that are going to happen in a church before a church has an active shooter. But if you're prepared for the very worst, for the low probability, high impact event, then you can handle the day to day things on the weekend that, that occur to churches across the country. So talk to me about that a little bit, Bob. What are these other things? Because you're right. An active shooter situation is top of mind for folks as they are thinking through what they're afraid of happening when they come to church. But you said there's a lot of other things. There's myriad other issues that need to be considered as well. What are some of those? We deal with in the safety arena in churches across the country on the weekend is just people that are uh, struggling. They may appear at your church as what we call as a DLR. A DLR is doesn't look right. And 99.9% of the time, that person that just doesn't look right at your church is just someone that's struggling. And that's the person that through your church mission statement or vision statement is exactly the type of person you're looking for. But they're struggling through life. They just can't cope with everything life's throwing at them. And a lot of times we see people struggle, they go to church. We find people that are, they're upset at the church. They're perhaps upset with a stance the church has taken. Maybe they're upset with something that was said from the pulpit. Uh, perhaps they're uh, upset or disgruntled about your answer to my request for benevolence. Uh, we know that domestic violence and the spillover in the church is responsible for 25% of deadly force incidents at churches through the years. So there's any myriad of things that are happening and causing people to be unhappy and show up at church. And what we try and what we try and tell people and, and help people with is it's not the who, it's the what. So a lot of times people will say, well, we had this type of person at our church, or we had this person, or we had a homeless person. It's not the who, it's the what. What, what, are they, what did that person do? What are the actions there that feel like you need to 
take your attention and talk to this person and say, hey, how can we how can we help you out? But that's what we're dealing with is just is just people. And we we talk a lot in our training about uh, dealing with difficult people. Uh, we have some training for, on uh, a program called Moab Management of Aggressive Behavior. We talk about verbal de-escalation skills, how to listen, uh, how, how to maintain eye, eye contact, how important your body language is to when you're talking to a person that's upset. Yeah, and all those, uh, all those are really important. And, of course, that happens. It's needed a lot more than somebody coming in as an active shooter. So if I'm a, if I'm a pastor of a church of 100 and I'm out, you know, I'm not in a suburb and I'm not in a city, you know, I'm out in the country somewhere, and my people are not thinking about security at all. And and we've just got you know we've got a eighty year old building uh, you know where where do I start as a pastor where do I start to think about keeping my people safe in case something like this happens I just think you need to put uh, a group of people a team together and and it runs the the gamut here a, a security team people perhaps don't like they like something softer a safety team an emergency response team. Is just just put together four or five people. If I'm in that small church, that know that their job on the weekend is to is to keep everybody safe. And mainly, what that is is just good eyes and ears, knowing that if something happens, whether it's a, a disruption, a domestic violence situation, a custodial situation, a church is more likely to have a custodial uh, situation and, and a problem a thousand times more than they're going to have someone bring deadly force onto their church campus. So. It's just having a mindset of having somebody that can handle these issues as we go along. And, and what happens with churches when they first get into this realm of, of having a safety team is people will start coming to me. Hey, I'm glad we're doing something. Uh, I wondered if we were going to go along along these lines or or I've seen something over the last several months. I just didn't know where to take that. So find somebody to to run this. And then you know the people in your in your church and you know who that is and who might be able to handle that and put together a team. And then on the weekends during service time, we have three or four people and maybe one of them's in the sanctuary and we have one that's walking around perhaps in and out of the, lo- uh, of the lobby and, and through the parking lot. We know the situation you mentioned of Sutherland Springs started in the parking lot. And then more importantly, always having someone in, uh, in the children's area, because, again, that's where there, there's more issues there than any place else in the church. Bob, when you work with these churches, you, you work with them in groups, so they come for these, these group trainings. What are some of the challenges you see when you're, when you're interacting with pastors? Like, is there, is there anything that you say to yourself, man, if pastors could only understand this, if they could only get this, it would make your job and it would make the job of keeping churches safer a whole lot easier. Jeff, I'll tell you that if you had asked me that question five years ago, I would say that if I'm in a training event and I've got a hundred people in there representing 30 different churches, uh, there could be half the people in the room say we're still struggling with get our pastor engaged and get him involved because we don't think we need to do anything. It's it can't happen here mentality. Mm-hmm. I asked that question yesterday in, in a in a room full of eighty five people, and there was not one person that raised their hand. And there were three senior pastors from churches there at the event. And when I asked them that same question. Um, one of the best answers was, you know, a pastor telling me, so well, I have to answer to two different people. I have to answer to my father. And of course, he pointed his finger up in the air and he said, I have to an- answer to the people at my church. And I realized that we have to do something to keep them safe. So 
for a lot of them, that's a simple process. For a lot of churches, they struggle with, well, okay, what does that mean? And that's why we try and simplify it down. Find who that one person is, have them bring in some other people through referrals and that type of thing. And who do we think would work on this team? And then just take in and build it from there. And if you build that model of what type of person are we looking for, then I tell them to go to your Bible study leaders, go to your small group leaders, go to your the key volunteers of your church. Tell them what they're looking for because they may know other people in the church that, that would fit your mold of what you're looking for. So my thought with this, Bob, is we're kind of getting started ourselves at our church. We're a church of about 600. And uh, I'm thinking that we, we just need to create a, a safety or a security ministry and involve people in this and allow this to be their ministry. This is how they serve the body. This is how they serve the church. Have you found that going in that kind of philosophical direction is helpful or not? Jeff, I couldn't agree more. One of the, the, one of the things we do when we start off the day is, is talking about looking at this safety as a ministry. And I know at my church through the years, the job of my ministry is to protect your ministry. So this safety team is in, in position to protect everybody else. But it's, it's key to me that that safety team, that security team, also knows what the mission statement or the vision statement of our church is. Because that's the mission and vision statement for our safety team, is winning people to Jesus Christ. And uh, I've got a friend that's been in this arena for a while, and he told me years ago that when he interviews someone to be on his safety team, one of the first things he'll do is say, are you willing to walk right over there and kneel down and pray with somebody that you've never met before? Because a lot of times your safety team is going to be the person that that usher or greeter is going to bring to their attention the the situation that's going on. And they may be the first ones to contact that person. And again, that just may be someone that's struggling, but they just don't quite fit, but they have no intent of doing anything wrong at the church. And if we can do that, then when something bad does happen, then we, we're in a mode of, of, of stopping that and uh, moving people around, if that's what we need to do, that type of thing. Well, I'm wondering, Bob, when people come and they present a problem, is it is it easier than people think it is to to thwart somebody or to redirect them or to prevent an escalation, or is it harder than people think it is? Uh, I would say it would be both, because we could sit here and talk about two different situations, and while wow, we got through that one really easy, and then we got into another one that was just more difficult. I just think that... Uh, there are some tools out there. Uh, you know, we talk about a book called Verbal Judo, and it's the gentle art of persuasion. And it just talks about how to deal with someone that's upset and how, again, how they're impacted. You know, they're impacted 93% by, the, by your body language. They're only impacted 7% by the words that you say. So I would like to tell people I think it's easier than they think it is. And, you know, it just it goes back to the golden rule, treating people the way you want to be you want to be treated. So you would say that for the vast majority, it may be easier, but then you do have those few that are just going to prove to be very difficult. Absolutely. Bob, what are some practical insights that you, every time you're coaching, every time you're having these conversations with a church, with a team, practical things that you're telling everybody they need to be thinking about looking for? I mean, you talked about the, the not, you know, the not quite right people, um, but what are some other things that, that a pastor listening right now can, this will get them thinking about safety and security in, a, in maybe a new or different way? Well, again, I think we start off with finding who the right person is to, to take on this task. And then from there, you know, my mantra for volunteers is identify, recruit, train, deploy, and manage. Identify, recruit, 
train, deploy, and manage. So part of the identify recruit is letting people know that that safety and security is not always a a, a glamorous job. There's a lot of times that you know God is good and nothing bad happens at your church, and people are just going to be standing around. So the thing that people struggle with is how to keep people engaged and involved. And my response to that is make sure you're doing some type of training on a quarterly basis. Bring people in from the outside. I, I tell churches one of the first things you need to do, and I don't care where your church is, uh, in a rural setting or the urban setting, there's a law enforcement agency that's responsible for, for your location. And they know that the Christian church is under attack today. They know that we're the uh, number three on the list of most likely targets for domestic terrorism in the country. And, and every agency has a community resource officer, a community action officer, a community training officer that is waiting for that phone call because they'll come out to your church and they'll help you and they'll do an assessment. And their assessment is probably more hard target, soft target assessment. When we do our, our two events in, in, in Iowa coming up here in a month, uh, we have some documents that we use. We go through a tabletop exercise on assessment that's more people and policy than it is property itself. But there's a lot of help out there, and, and the training is, is, is part of it. The training is a big part of it because that's what keeps people engaged. I like that. I like that, Bob. I have a burning question. Is there anybody that you think maybe we should avoid putting on these teams? I'll show my own bias, and maybe this will get edited at the end. But I'm a little worried about putting Jimmy Six Shooter on the security team, if I'm honest with you. Well, see, I, 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 I don't want Jimmy. I also don't want Barney, Bubba, and Tackleberry. <laughs> Um, I have no use for the guy that walks up to me and opens his jacket and lets me know that he's got his permit and he's carrying a gun. Now, there's there's a place for that in the church. If the church decides that you're going to stop deadly force attack with with like force. But a lot of churches struggle with they they'll get that wrong person in there. They'll get Jimmy in there. And, and it'll go the wrong direction because they think that every Sunday they're going to drag somebody out of there out of the heat by their heels. And, and they don't look at this as, as a ministry. Mm. And churches have struggled with that. So I talked earlier about the way I, I recruit my people is, is by referral. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to go right against putting it in the bulletin or announcing it from the pulpit because you're going to get Jimmy, and then you got to go through the task. How do you tell Jimmy that he's not the right person for that team? Mm. So it's a, it's a great question. And, and again, we tell people specifically to stay away from from that type of that type of person. So when you, but it happens. That's good. That's that's insightful too. So when you get to number five here, manage. Uh, you talk about you know training quarterly, and then or train initially. You train, then you deploy, and you manage. But then part of managing is you train quarterly. What, what's the other part of managing? So if you get if you get a group of four and they're in place, what type of management do you need to do with them? Well, we don't want to burn them out. And here's the problem: if we only have four people and we need four people every weekend, they're going to get burned out. Mm. And uh, you've got to give them time off. A lot of churches, of course, it, it, our ministry is no different than any other ministry. I mean, how does the, the children's area and, and the youth and the nursery, you know, how do they handle their volunteers? And certainly, you know, if your church has two services on the weekend, it makes it pretty easy for, for me to worship at one and serve at the other. But if you only have one, then you have the same problem you do with all of your, your, your volunteers. How are they getting, how are they getting fed? How, when are they going to service time? So, scheduling is is a big key we'll also tell people that statistically 
situations that are happening in the church. And if, if we go to the extreme deadly force incidents at churches over the last 20 years, for the most part, that's a Monday through Friday event. And a lot of things that people struggle with at church are during the week. Well, it's easy for me to get somebody to volunteer on my safety team on Sunday because everybody's there. Mm. It's it's harder to get them to get somebody. If I need you on Tuesday night when there's women's Bible study and I have women walking up to their cars by themselves at night, you're going to do that for a couple of weeks. But if I need you to do that five or six weeks in a row, you're going to get burnout. So the deploy and the manage go right together and making sure people have their downtime and don't get don't get burnt out. And that goes right back to what you asked earlier about keep people engaged. That's the number one people reason people leave is they get burnt out just because there's not enough of us. So if you need four in every service, you don't need four on your team. You need 10 or 12 on your team. And I assume that you can't do double duty. You don't let somebody sit in the worship service and worship and also keep one eye open for problems. Well, I actually, actually I'm going to disagree with that a little bit. I think that uh, certainly on our team, we have we have people that, that are pre-positioned in areas throughout the sanctuary, and and they have a radio on, and we minimize the radio traffic. You know, during during service times, they're not hearing a bunch of chatter, but they're they're worshiping there with their family. But they also know that if something happens, what their responsibility is. You know, for the, perhaps for the entire sanctuary, or maybe a little bit bigger church. Maybe there's two or three of us, and we each have our our own area. But I I I think that that's a great utilization of people. My opinion. Okay. All right. And and the way you talked earlier about it, I, I just wondered. I wanted to clarify that. So you were director of safety and security at Christ Church of the Valley. Are you, are you do you still attend there? And you just aren't the director anymore? I do. I do. I I I retired from that. I retired for the third time. See if I can get it right this time. But um, yeah, I'm still engaged there. So yeah, 350 staff and volunteers, nine campuses, and over 30,000 in weekly attendance. Um, you, you managed, you, you directed a lot. I mean, you, you're, we're not talking about a 50 to 100 person church there, are we? Well, I, yeah, but again, Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix is the exception to the rule. You know, there's there's several dozen big churches. Uh, that size, but the majority of churches are smaller churches. But yeah, I had, I had actually, when I left, we had nine campuses. I had 375 volunteers on those nine campuses. So Bob, I have a, um, I have a brother-in-law who's also a command sergeant major, and I've known him now for shooting on 30 years, no pun intended. Uh, but he, he and I are very different but we've become very, very close and very good friends. In fact, he's in the Ukraine right now on a six-month deployment. How how have you, as you've come up through military and security and police training and all that, how have you been able to to balance the, the use of deadly force and, and just the mindset you have to have uh, in in military and strategy and security and all that with with security in, on a local on a local church campus has I mean there has there been much conflict or is that really more imagined than actual? You know, if we were to if we were to get into this into detail, you probably just identified that the hardest thing for people with a law enforcement background, a military background, a corporate security background, how do we balance that with ministry? And man, that is as fine a line as you can possibly get. And it took me a little while. I mean, I when when I went, I was actually volunteering at Christ Church of the Valley, and then 
they were had been talking at a, for a while about having someone in that position. I didn't know I was looking for a job, and and there I was. And I and I had it took me a little while to understand um, that you know my job was important, and and I tried to let everybody know I may be the director of safety and security, but safety and security on this campus is everybody's responsibility. And as church folks, we're not we're not safety conscious. And um, ministry folks are raised different, you know, when they go to preacher school uh, than I was. And it took me a little while to understand that fine line. But I, I think we managed that. Uh, so it is a struggle uh, for people. But that's why I think I, I, I'm more on the, the, the side now of understanding how what a ministry it is. We're going to protect everybody at that church but we don't forget for one minute the reason that that church exists. Bob, I like you. You're to the point. You don't you don't mince a lot of words in here. You just you're right to it, and that's a that's a nice quality. Don't go crossways with him, though. Well, no, I'm not going to do <laughs> that. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, thank, those are very kind words. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Well, we we appreciate your time and you coming on, and and you've you've given a lot of really practical you know, helpful advice to small church pastors. This is something that we do a lot on our podcast and I would, I'm going to extend it to you as well. I have a feeling I know some of the things you're going to say at the end here because you've said them throughout, but what's a, what's a, what's a final word here for, for those small church pastors, for those majority of pastors in this country who have a church between 50 and 200 people and, uh, and for who this is an important issue, but maybe an issue that they are not feeling equipped to deal with. Well, find that person in your church. They know the people. They Somewhere between that 50 and 200 people, there's a person there. God's put somebody there that's going to help them run this. And they just need to know that how much God needs your help and how much we, the church needs your help. Uh, and just start down that road. I, I have to tell you, we live in a, a very litigious society, and people can sue anybody, anytime, anywhere for anything. And there's a term in, in that in, in the legal community called foreseeability. And foreseeability means you knew there was an issue, and you decided not to do anything about it. Hmm. And the Christian church in our country today cannot find themselves in that position. Certainly, as a church, and I don't care what size of church, and we're in. A, I'm in a very small town in North Carolina right now, and I know the church that we're going to be at tomorrow is an icon in this community. Certainly, shouldn't we lead by example and be able to, you know, prepare and protect the people that come to our church? And I mentioned early on, the people that attend that church are no different than the people that attend my church. What are you doing to protect me and my family when I come to church? So that pastor, just you pray, do the same thing I did every time we grew in services or every time we grew in in, in the needs of my church, and I prayed. Uh, you know, I got uh, people just started coming in and we found other people. So if you pray um, to find that right person, that right per- that person is going to be right there and just help walk down this 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 road. So, Bob, if if somebody wanted to, to uh, have you come or, or get a hold of one of your organizations, where could they find you online? Can I give you my email address? Would that work? Because I I work with churches all the sure. time and I have a tremendous amount of resource information um, you know, I have I have documents on how to create a safety team, how to deal with difficult people, how to respond in an emergency. I have sample uh, policies so people don't have to reinvent things. And this is what I do is, is is work with churches now. So I'd be glad to give you my email address. And if if they want some help, and I, I, I'd be glad to send them anything I can. I'll spend as much time as it need be on the phone 
again, this is what I do. Well, we, we have a podcast for pastors, and honestly, nobody else is really much interested in this. So you're just talking to small church pastors right now. So go ahead and share that, and then they can get a hold of sure. you. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, my email is rjohnson, R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. There's no periods, underlines, or anything else. rjohnson at sunstarsecure, S-U-N-S-T-A-R, S-E-C-U-R-E dot com, sunstarsecure dot com. And anything I can do to get information to you or help you through this process, I'd be I'd be honored to be asked. That's super. Awesome, Bob. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Again, I I like your style, right to the point. You're uh you know, you're helpful, you're practical, you're straightforward. These are good things. Good, good. things that more people could learn from. Well, so we appreciate you your time. Let Bob. me ask you one thing now. We have two events coming up in Iowa in April. Will these people have access to that information? Can I touch on these? Yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, Some people will, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Monday, April 23rd, we're going to be at Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. On Tuesday, April 24th, we're going to be at New Covenant Bible Church in Cedar Rapids. And there's a young lady by the name of Amy Sherwood. Amy Sherwood at 515-314. Five five six seven. That she'd be glad to to steer you in the right direction and get you registered for either one of those events. Very cool. Thank you, Bob. Jeff, John, thank you so very much. I, I appreciate the time and uh, anything we can do to to help those pastors. We're here to do just that. There it was, Johnny. This guy's serious. I'm just glad we were able to record with him from a distance and that he couldn't lay his hands on me. <laughs> I felt like I had to comb my hair. I felt I had to get a haircut to have this conversation, Jeff. I had to get it up over my ears. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what I mean about, you know, what he's been involved in in life. He's seen the he's seen the underbelly of humanity. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's seen the worst of society, and it, it does. It ma- it makes you serious, and and when you're dealing with security and safety for people, you you really can't mess around, and there's no margin for error. Yeah, there's really not. I remember a police officer in our last church, Jeff, said to you, "You get to see people at their best, but I have to see people at their worst." And uh, that one simple... Yeah, he was a lot like Bob. He was kind of like Bob. <laughs> that simple <laughs> statement really stuck with me. You know, we have uh, the former chief of police for one of the suburbs around here attends uh, our, our church and my campus. And uh, he has offered to be that guy for us. He's offered to cool. uh, help us out with our training. And as Bob was talking about finding that person, man or woman, uh, that's who I thought of immediately in our congregation. And I hope that you can find somebody in yours as well. Not Jimmy Six Shooter, as I <laughs> said so eloquently before, uh, but maybe the right person for the job. And, uh, and trust that person to, uh, to get the volunteers together and then do some training with local law enforcement. And yeah, just be ready for whatever may come to your church. Very good. Well, Johnny, that wraps this one up. This is a little bit of a shorter episode, which I'm glad because, I don't know, I wouldn't want to spend that much time talking about this. I'd rather have us all spend the time actually doing it and making our church a lot safer. Amen. Thanks for joining me today, Johnny, with uh, with Bob Johnson. And uh, again, if you want to get a hold of him, it's rjohnson at sunstarsecure.whatever he said. 
Com. Did you say? <laughs> I don't know if he said net or com. But, com. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you you can check also uh, episode two sixty nine at two hundred churches dot com, and the show notes will be there, and you you can find the links there. That's that's it, Johnny. That'll do it. Well, <laughs> well, then I'll see you next week, Jeff, and I'll see our our listeners next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. I'm a little worried about putting Jimmy Six Shooter on the security team. Yeah, you said... You said sh- shooter Johnny. Or I I didn't know how hard it would be to say six shooter. <laughs> oh my goodness! I underestimated the difficulty of six shooter, six and shooter you, Jimmy. And you are articulate too. Oh my word! <laughs> I don't know if you can be fixed. <laughs> six six shooter Jimmy. I'm a little worried about putting Jimmy six shooter on the security team. I took my case off my phone because it was getting so hot and now i'm like why do i ever put a case on my phone it feels so good in my hand so thin it's also broken because of what i didn't have a case all right i want the windows to open in our offices yeah we're at, we're absolutely not going to be able to use that little line right there <laughs> oh, <laughs> really <sorry. laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum.